The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 322, powered by Rageworks, broadcasting live October 28th, 2015. I'm your host, Rich, and our caller number is 347-324-3541. Again, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. You can join us live every Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific for our MMA and wrestling edition. And on Thursday nights, you can join us at the same time, 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific for our gaming and entertainment editions of My Take Radio. A couple of things of note, if you are tuning in, you can join the live show chat and watch the audio and video feed by heading over to mtrlive.com. In addition to that, the show is simulcasting on video to YouTube Live, Restream, Stream Up, and also on Twitch. So if you guys are on any of those services, head over to mtrlive.com if you want to participate in the chat. Archived episodes of the show are available within 24 to 48 hours of broadcast. Audio versions are available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. Video versions are available on our archives, both on our two YouTube channels, My Take Radio TV and Official Rageworks, and also on the Rageworks channel on Daily Motion. All right, so lots of stuff to discuss. A couple of things I, I got to let you guys know about, a couple of announcements. Uh, first and foremost, I know that I owed you guys a wrestling show last week. Uh, scheduling, unfortunately, prevented that from happening. Couldn't give you guys my picks and uh, share my thoughts on the last Raw before Hell in a Cell. But this week, we will have a full serving of MMA and wrestling goodness. We are going to talk about the Hell in a Cell card. We are going to talk about this episode of Raw, this past Monday's episode of Raw, plus the wrestling news of the week. On the MMA side, we're going to get into most of the stuff that's going on in MMA. I also want to talk a little bit about the Fight Pass card this weekend. I didn't watch it in its entirety just because I don't have access to Fight Pass, but I did get to see some of the fights, so I want to share my thoughts on that. But before we get into it, I do want to make a couple of announcements for this week. 
Uh, first and foremost, there will be live episodes this week and next week, first week of November. We will have an MMA and a wrestling edition. But after that, after that, after those two episodes next week, I am going to be taking some time off. So there will not be any more My Take Radio shows for the month of November. Uh, right now, I am shooting to come back into action in December. Going to take some time off and focus on just building the RageWorks brand, trying to get more of our content out there and trying to give you guys the best of everything, not just the shows, but also all our off-air content as well. This does not mean that we will not be giving you guys audio content. On the contrary, our very own Jay Santi and his crew at the regular season sportscast will definitely step up during our absence to give you guys not only what's going on in wrestling, but also what is going on in sports by and large. Also, uh, Ben and Taylor will step up as well with the Black is the New Black podcast, and they'll be delivering their take on sports, hip-hop, and, of course, nerd shit as well. So you're definitely going to get your fill of all the stuff that we cover from those shows. Plus, we are going to be having the return of The Buried Show. I believe their Halloween episode should be ready for consumption this week, and I believe that they will be doing more shows during the holiday break. As I said... It is, you know, I'm not shelving MTR or doing anything crazy. Just going to take a couple of weeks off, uh, refocus, get on some uh, on, on a different kind of grind to give you guys the best episodes and the best content possible. Now, this came about from a, from a couple of different reasons, um, particularly uh, earlier this week. I had a conversation with a colleague of mine and we were talking about Rageworks and MTR and what I'm trying to accomplish. and Pretty much that's the the question I was asked. It's like, what do you want to accomplish with Rageworks? And, you know, it's an interesting question only because at the end of the day, I want to give you guys the best multifaceted brand possible where we'll give you unbiased opinions on gaming and wrestling and MMA and share our thoughts on pop culture and toys, all the stuff that I love and that so many of you tune in and consume every week, whether it's on air, via video, or on the site. And because of that, it made me think that in in an effort to give you guys the best shows possible, I definitely got to make sure I give you guys the best brand possible. And I kind of feel I've stretched myself a little thin trying to do all of that, plus all the production and editing for all our other shows. And because of that, I figured that we got two capable shows that can deliver for the time being. And with that, I'll be able to give you guys brand new video content, of course, written content on the site, and lots of other stuff. This does not mean, again, that it is it is the end of the line for the show. On the contrary, next week marks our 324th and 325th episodes of My Take Radio. And, um, you know, I'm really I'm really proud of the work we've accomplished. So many awesome things that we've done. But again, I want to make sure that I'm 100% in the game, not only for all the off-air stuff, but also for all the on-air stuff. So with that, the episodes for November 4th and November 5th will be the final episodes for the month of November. More than likely, I will jump back in in December 
and do the shows for the first two weeks of December. And then, of course, I will take a break for the holidays and then we will come back fresh in January. So that's pretty much where we're at. We got a lot of events on the plate over the next couple of weeks. Keep it locked on social media at Rage underscore Works. And, of course, on Facebook and Instagram to see all the stuff that we're working on, covering. We are also on Snapchat. I'm trying to get the hang of the, excuse me, of the whole Snapchat situation. Um, I feel that I'm pretty ahead of the curve when it comes to most social media, but Snapchat is one of those things I've still had a tough time figuring out. But I'm hoping that during the time off, I can refocus and definitely give you guys great content there as well. All right, so... As I mentioned before, we're going to get into this week's MMA. I know that Jay Santee will be joining us for the wrestling segment. We are going to break down Hell in the Cell and Raw and the wrestling news of the week. And as always, we will take your calls, 347-324-3541. Again, that call in number, 347-324-3541. Let's not waste any more time and jump into this week's MMA. Let's get to it, shall we? All right, so I want to talk a little bit about the event on UFC Fight Pass this past weekend uh, taking place in Ireland. A lot of, lot of solid fights for that card, but I'll tell you what happened. Um, the card got shuffled around so much with injuries and everything else that I almost thought that they were going to scrap the card, but given that they're trying to increase exposure in the Irish market and they had a fair amount of talent on staff for that card, I figured that it was going to go forward as planned. I did watch a couple of the fights. I mean, most of them were pretty paint by numbers with a lot of decisions across the board. I will say I did see the Aisling Daily fight, a uh, really good fight with the ladies, thoroughly impressed with not only Aisling Daly, but also with her opponent, Erica Almeida. Aisling Daly took the victory via unanimous decision. Again, seeing the ladies step up, especially on the strawweight side of things, is very, very good for the division. I think that while Ronda Rousey's bantamweight division is pretty stacked with solid fighters, I feel that when you look at the amount of talent, you're seeing a fair amount of not only A-plus talent, but also talent that is on the cusp of just being in the top five. The problem is that with Ronda at the top of the division, it's, it's tough to really see who rises to the top. It's almost like everybody that goes through the revolving door is fed to Ronda, and once they lose, that's it. On the strawweight side of things, the division, of course, was created for the ultimate fighter. They crowned the champion in that division, and that division continues to crank out just amazing talent, not only at the championship level, but also in the top 10, even top 15 level as well. Now, because of this, a lot of fighters get lost in the shuffle, Aisling Daly being one. Uh, she's a veteran, 15-6 uh, and six record coming in. Um, you know, definitely a, a solid fighter across the board. And even though the fight went to unanimous decision, I did see some 
very solid technique out of Aisling. I think that she's a fighter you want to keep an eye on. She's ranked 15th in the division. I think her victory this past weekend will probably help her move up, but definitely a fighter you want to keep an eye on. The other fight I did want to talk about, and this fight, I, I was, you know, I was not shocked the way it went, but with all the the posturing and the craziness at the weigh-ins, uh, the fight with Patty Hulahan uh, or Hollahan, depending on how it's pronounced, taking on Lewis Smolka, uh, very, very interesting fight. Both guys definitely were game opponents uh, for each other coming into this card, and they did not disappoint. I think that Smolka definitely had better technique, uh, definitely more well-rounded, even though he was 9-1 and one versus uh, Patty Hollahan, who had a more um, advanced fight record. I mean, a difference of three fights, but still, nonetheless, uh, Lewis Smolka definitely had better technique securing the victory via submission rear naked choke in the second round. Now, the thing that gets me about that card is the fact that, and this is the problem with it, with stuff like UFC Fight Pass. When you look at WWE and the WWE Network and the stuff that they're offering, you get a, an understanding of not only the inner workings of the business with some of their, you know, behind the scenes programming, but you're also getting a, a decent helping of special events, regular fights, et cetera, et cetera. The problem with UFC Fight Pass is that you're not getting the full benefit of, you know, event replays, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's almost like they're picking and choosing what goes on Fight Pass. And because of that, what's happening is you're not getting there's no real value in dropping $10 a month for it. So, you know, yeah, you're going to see those UFC Fight Pass cards, but the bulk of the cards that are put on Fight Pass, not to take anything away from the fighters, but they're they're decent cards as at best. That could be uh, done on free TV, maybe with a with an HBO after a boxing after dark style, where you can get those cards out on, in front of more eyes on free TV than you do with UFC Fight Pass. While I understand the appeal of reaching a global market courtesy of the internet, I do believe that the amount of money that's been invested in Fight Pass and the amount of work that goes into the Fight Pass service is not really turning a profit i'm I'd, i'm really curious to see what type of metrics they have out there for the fight pass events and even for subscriber numbers only because if they would have said hey you pay instead of 9.99 you pay i don't know 14.99 just for argument's sake you pay 14.99 and you get access to all the ufc pay-per-views all the fight pass events and any of the free tv events will be available on the Fight Pass app within 48 hours or within seven days of live airing. In doing that, you see tremendous value because, again, uh, the average UFC pay-per-view in standard definition is $55, $65 if you go HD. And again, it's one of those things where there's so many events where it's almost like, why would I buy a pay-per-view for $55, let's say at the beginning of the month? When at the end of the month, there's another pay-per-view that's already $110 in the can to maybe see three or four fights that you're really, really invested in. Again, I don't take anything away from, from the UFC for going this route. I just feel that the UFC has not taken advantage of their platform effectively. 
again, when you look at the WWE Network and myself, Slick, and, and many of us have discussed this on air, you're getting, you feel that you're getting your money's worth in some capacity uh, between the, the NXT programming, the special events that they're doing, and of course, the pay-per-view numbers, you're, you're really seeing the savings immediately, immediately. On top of the fact that they're also putting the replays of Raw and SmackDown on fairly quickly. I'm not saying you're getting them within five days of airing, but there is a, a, a shorter gap between what you see on television and what is on the network. The UFC feels that they deserve to be paid a premium for UFC Fight Pass because you're giving them access to, you're giving people access to old fights or video footage from other promotions or maybe the Invicta cards or stuff like that. And I understand that, but I do feel that the Fight Pass cards are not warranting enough of an investment where you're going to want to lay out $10 every month. Again, that's that's where I stand on it. Not to take anything away from the fighters because they're trying their, their hardest to be seen and give people the best fights possible. I just feel that the UFC is not leveraging Fight Pass effectively because they feel that people are going to continuously shell out $50 and $65, $55 and $65 a clip to see fights that you might be invested in, say, three out of 10 fights on a card. Now, of course, there are other options. You can go and watch it at your local Dave and Busters or your local Buffalo Wild Wings or your local uh, you know, bar. Or if you're a UFC gym member, you can see the fights at the UFC gym. But again, you're eliminating the, the creature comforts of enjoying it in the privacy of your own home. And again, some people are, are all for watching fights at a bar or at some other venue because of the camaraderie and, you know, you're drinking, you're hanging out and that's fine. But I feel that there's a market for MMA on demand via UFC Fight Pass. And if they leverage that accordingly, I think they'd be better off. The problem is that Dana White is so into marching to the beat of his own drum that he's not seeing what's in front of his face. The future of media consumption is based on streaming. I hate to say it, but it's true. Hulu, Netflix, um, Amazon Prime, Amazon Video on Prime, all of these services are not only attracting new audiences, but even getting enough of a cash influx to create their own programming. And this even goes as far as the WWE Network, where they even promote the WWE Network against pay-per-views. They'll even say it, a, a pay-per-view. $54.99, the network, $9.99. They're, they're going for the hard sell, competing against themselves because they know that the real value is on the network and the monthly consistent revenue stream. We'll see what happens, but I do think that the UFC needs to really evaluate UFC Fight Pass and, and find a way to make it more appealing to the general audience because the few people that I've spoke to that actually have the service have, have had it for maybe two or three months and then canceled it because they just don't see themselves tuning in to watch anything else. With WWE, it's a little different. You're getting old episodes of Raw, old ECW, old WCW. You're getting all the original programming plus tons of other stuff as well. So there is that. But on the UFC Fight Pass, yeah, you're able to watch some of the old fights and that's cool, but you're not creating enough content to warrant that $10 investment.
We'll see what happens. In any case, the UFC Fight Night 76 had its fair share of bonuses. $50,000 were handed out to uh, Darren Till and Nicholas Dalby took Fight of the Night. Performance bonus went to Neil Siri and also to Tom Reese. Now, the funny thing is, looking at that card, I would have thought that Lewis Smolka would have got a performance bonus for his uh, submission win over Patty Hollihan. Obviously not the case, but I was definitely shocked to see the fighters that got the bonuses this time around. All right, so I wanted to switch gears, and this next bit of news I actually had saved from the episode we didn't do last week, and I wanted to talk about it because um, it involves Sage Northcutt and his opponent, Francisco Trevino. Now, if you guys saw Sage Northcutt's debut in the UFC, uh, Francisco Trevino pretty much got taken apart by the 19-year-old sensation. Now, of course, um, after he lost, he uh, he was disputing the loss, pushed Herb Dean, uh, just very, very, un- not unsportsmanlike conduct, but just not conduct for somebody who got an opportunity in the octagon. Turns out that Francisco Trevino is getting suspended because he tested positive for marijuana after his loss to Sage Northcutt. Even though he lost the fight in less than a minute, he's now eating a 90-day suspension for marijuana. So there you have it. Francisco Trevino, all that bluster, fire, and brimstone, and he had marijuana in his system. So he is out of here. On the flip side, Francisco Trevino eats an expe- a, a suspension, and the UFC calls their roster of fighters. A lot of great fighters and a lot of solid talent were cut this time around for varying reasons. Uh, some of the fighters that were cut were Marcus Brimage, uh, Matt, Van Breer, uh, Matt Van Buren, oof, almost fucked that up, <laughs> uh, Roger Narvaez, uh, Christos Giagos, and Chris Clements, and a very, very unfortunate uh, roster cut, that being Eddie Gordon. Now, for those of you that don't know Eddie Gordon, Eddie Gordon, of course, is a fighter out of out of New York here, and he won season 19 of The Ultimate Fighter, and he won it after beating Diego Lima in the July 2014 finale, and he went on a run of 1-3. and three. His last fight was at UFC Fight Night 70 in July, where he lost to Antonio Carlos Jr., by submission so definitely bummed out to see eddie gordon uh amongst the roster cuts i think eddie gordon is just a a very talented fighter and i'm sure he's gonna get picked up by an organization whether it be bellator or rfa or legacy and hopefully he can chain a couple of wins together and get himself back in the ufc's good graces again this is a guy that went in had a really solid performance had really solid performances on the ultimate fighter won the show and then just he couldn't get it he couldn't get his bearings which is unfortunate because like I said I like Eddie Gordon I, I follow him on social media he he really just he, he loves the sport great ambassador for the sport and to see him cut uh, definitely bums me out now everybody's been joking about the inevitable possibility that Paige Van Zandt and Sage Northcutt both the uh, newest darlings of the UFC would be on the same card well you guys didn't have to wait too long for that to happen because both Sage Northcutt and Paige Van Zandt will be fighting at UFC Fight Night 80 
Uh, Sage Northcutt will be taking on Tody, uh, Cody Fister. Uh, Michael Chiesa is also on that card taking on Jim Miller. The main event was originally going to be Paige Van Zant taking on Joanne Calderwood. Unfortunately, Joanne Calderwood suffered an injury in training and had to withdraw from the fight. But that turns out to be a blessing in disguise because Rose Namajunas is stepping in for Joanne Calderwood to take on Paige Van Zant in the main event for UFC Fight Night 80. Couple of things of note. Obviously, this is a great test for both ladies. Of course, Rose Namajunas coming off a spectacular victory over Angela Hill. And of course, Paige Van Zant riding the current wave of momentum into the cage. I definitely feel that this fight is going to have a lot of fireworks. And the buildup for this fight is definitely going to be entertaining. Rose does not take any shit. Paige Van Zant will definitely try her hardest to get out in front of the camera and make sure that she sells the fight accordingly. But I think that Rose is going to sell the fight strictly off the premise that she wants to punch her in the face. <laughs> so um, the funny thing is about this fight that, like I said, uh, Paige Van Zandt and Joanne, Calder Joanne Calderwood was a spectacular card. I mean, a spectacular fight for that card. And now with Rose Namajunas stepping in, it's still just as exciting. Sage Northcutt is in the co-main, taking on Cody Fister. And like I said, a lot of solid fights on that card. UFC Fight Night 80 is going down December 10th. And I'm sure it'll probably be either on Fox Sports 1 or on uh, regular Fox broadcast. Once we get the official broadcast news, we will share it with you guys. I'm looking forward to that card. Also looking forward to seeing another New York prospect, Aljamain Sterling, taking on Johnny Eduardo as well. So definitely um, a lot of cool fights for that card December 10th. Keep it locked here to MTR and Rageworks for any news with regards to that card as well. In some other fight news, the UFC 195 card is starting to take shape for January 2nd at the MGM Grand Arena. The main event, of course, Robbie Lawler squaring off against Carlos Condit with the welterweight title on the line. The co-main event, which was recently announced, is now Andre Arlovsky taking on Stipe Miocic. Also on that card, Drew Dober taking on Eric Koch and Edgar Garcia taking on Sheldon Westcott. Of course, this card is still in the process of being built and finalized. And once we get the additional fights, we'll make sure to let you guys know as well. It's an early Christmas for John Bones Jones as the UFC has announced that they are reinstating the troubled light heavyweight after his legal his well after his legal issues were resolved and i say resolved only because he's not serving any jail time community service you know the the usual when when you have money and you're an athlete so as a result of that the ufc is reinstating john jones of course john jones took to social media to acknowledge his reinstatement of course making it abundantly clear that he's ready to jump back into the title picture. And here's the thing. John Jones being reinstated is, is a no-brainer. We knew it was going to happen sooner rather than later. And for the UFC to acknowledge it so soon makes me wonder if we're going to see John Jones fight before 2015 is over or if they're going to save him for 2016 and possibly give him one warm-up fight before allowing him to once again fight for his title. Now, some people are saying 
A lot of analysts are saying that John Jones may fight at, in the early part of 2016. And depending on how he performs there, he will be set up for a title opportunity at UFC 200. Of course, uh, everybody is hoping that in 2016, MMA officially gets sanctioned here in New York City, in, in the state of New York, so that John Jones can fight in Madison Square Garden. Of course, it would be a great story, him being a New York fighter, fighting at the Garden, etc., etc. Now, I've, I've made it abundantly clear in past episodes where I stand with regards to John Jones. I, I feel he's a tremendous athlete, a guy that brings a lot to the table in terms of fight prowess, excitement, and athleticism. But his conduct outside of the cage has been nothing but a detriment, not only to his, his, his views, the way he's viewed by the public, but for the organization and the sport of mixed martial arts as well for an abundance of, for a, for a multitude of reasons. Me personally, while I feel that from uh, an athletic standpoint and from a fan standpoint, John Jones is his reinstatement is great for the light heavyweight division. I do feel that the UFC has to tread carefully and not once again, put all their eggs in the John Jones basket. And I say this because even though he's being tested and he's doing all this stuff, I, I feel that, and it's cliched to say it, but the punishment should have been a bit more severe. And I say this only because not from the UFC stripping him, et cetera, et cetera, but I feel that legally he committed a lot of, a lot of infractions that the average person would have seen some sort of jail time. But I also have to take into consideration the fact that the guy has fucking money and I'm sure that the UFC got involved behind the scenes and pretty much has put themselves on the line to ensure that John Jones keeps his nose clean. No pun intended there. That's for sure. Now, obviously, it's easy for Jones to come back and fight a guy like Anthony Rumble Johnson or maybe a rematch with Alexander Gustafson and then go on to fight for the belt. But again, you have to look at the upside from a monetary standpoint. Having him fight Gustafson, of course, with the issues between both of them and the fact that people felt that Gustafson did beat John Jones in their last fight, it definitely is a great story to tell. On the same token, I can say that him fighting a guy like Anthony Rumble Johnson would also be a great story. And of course, you got guys like Ryan Bader, Rashad Evans. You know, there's guys that are there that John Jones can fight that definitely can sell a fight card. But I think that either a fight with Gustafson or a fight with Anthony Johnson, or if they throw him right back into the mix to fight Daniel Cormier, are the three best options, both from both from a business perspective and from a monetary perspective. I mean, both from a business perspective and from a fan interest perspective. We'll see what happens. Um, there hasn't been any word yet on who he's going to fight, but John Jones has been very active on social media with regards to preparing and being in training and trying to get himself in the best shape possible. So I'm sure a fight announcement is imminent. Once we get it, you know, we'll make sure to share that with you guys. A very, very interesting story came out earlier this week 
about the UFC trying to secure naming rights for a new 20,000 seat arena that is being built in Las Vegas. Uh, right now, the venue is being looked at as the possible home for UFC 200, and it looks like it would be called the UFC Center. Uh, right now, there's a lot of speculation that uh, the UFC is looking to buy the naming rights from the building owners, MGM Resorts and AEG Live. So definitely a very, very interesting turn of events with regards to the UFC planting their flag in Las Vegas. Of course, the UFC Center will not only hold MMA events, but will also hold concerts, special events, and of course, boxing as well. The UFC thus far has been holding the bulk of their cards at the MGM Grand Arena or the Mandalay Bay Event Center, but I'm sure that if they are able to secure the 20,000-seat arena, that the UFC Center will be the home for the UFC for the foreseeable future. Definitely uh, really crazy to see something like that because you're, you're taking an organization that is essentially on, on the same level as Major League Baseball, NFL, and I'm not talking about in terms of popularity. I'm just talking about like an organization by and large. And they are on the verge of having essentially their own arena. It's, it's, it's as crazy as the NFL buying an arena and holding every game there as well. I think it's um, just a testament to the, the amount of money that the UFC and MMA in general is bringing in. And of course, the UFC being the game in town, it's a no-brainer that they would try and really lock down something like that. I mean, it's a it's an interesting time for MMA, and I'm curious to see if that comes to fruition. Of course, holding UFC 200 there and and having it be the either the inaugural event or the pre the premier event at that venue is is definitely something that I want to keep an eye on. But again, it's it's something that's being discussed and hasn't been officially announced. So if it does go down, you know, we will report it here first. I did want to update you guys on the Nick Diaz situation. It looks like Nick Diaz and um, his five-year ban and $165,000 fine may not come to pass all the way. Now, I'm sure that Nick Diaz is still going to have to pay the $165,000 fine, but the five-year suspension is becoming less and less likely. A lot of outlets are reporting that Nick Diaz and his legal team have been meeting with the Athletic Commission, and it looks like we may be seeing Nick Diaz return to the cage sooner rather than later, giving the amount of negative press that the commission has received after the suspension that was levied on Nick Diaz. Now, again, am I saying Nick Diaz should have been suspended? Yes. Maybe a year, maybe 90 days, a year, even even a year and a half. But a five-year suspension for marijuana, which I've said before, has been something that is becoming legal in other parts of the country, is ludicrous. And to hear not only the MMA community, but even the organization, uh, you know, the UFC organization, take a, a stand in, knee in Nick Diaz's favor shows that the suspension was ridiculous. Not only that, but the White House petition getting all those signatures 
for Nick Diaz's suspension to be lifted or overturned is a testament to the fact that people definitely give a shit about Nick Diaz. Now, what does this mean? Right now, it's just negotiations and discussions, but I think that if Nick Diaz is able to get back in the cage, the UFC is going to lock him down immediately and put him in a fight that's going to get him some some money to obviously pay off this very, very, very expensive fine. Now, will will it become a case that Nick Diaz is going to have to fight internationally for the UFC so that he, they don't have to deal with this? That remains to be seen. Or will Nick Diaz start approaching his marijuana usage a little differently to just not have to go through this headache once again? Again, this is one of those things that is still being discussed, still being ironed out, and we don't have all the details yet. But I'm hoping that by next week, I can have a more concrete update for you guys as to where Nick Diaz goes from here. I'm hoping that we do get to see Nick Diaz fight in 2016. Uh, He is a very exciting fighter, a very unique fighter, and a guy that still has a lot to offer the sport of mixed martial arts. I definitely look forward to updating you guys on that story. Last two bits of MMA news to wrap things up. First off, Ronda Rousey making waves and making headlines, not only on the MMA side of things, but also on the pro wrestling side of things. The wrestling side will discuss in our wrestling segment, but on the MMA side of things, Ronda Rousey is the first mixed martial artist to ever be on the cover of the iconic boxing magazine ring. So definitely very cool to see that. I think that Ronda continues to be not only a tremendous ambassador for the sport of mixed martial arts, but a great role model for young ladies and proof positive that women in sports definitely is a viable and very, very profitable commodity. So uh, props to Ronda Rousey on that newest, on her newest accolade, being the first mixed martial arts competitor on the cover of the ring magazine. So uh, very cool to see that Um, the cover, I believe has been floating around. I believe Bleacher Report has it up, but definitely props to her for that. The last bit of MMA news is going to be a great segue into this week's wrestling news as Bellator announced earlier today that they have signed Kurt Angle. Yes, that Kurt Angle, Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle, former WWE competitor Kurt Angle, current TNA superstar Kurt Angle, the guy that won the Olympic gold medal with a broken freaking neck is going to step into the cage. Now all signs are pointing to him either fighting Ken Shamrock or Kimbo Slice. Now, I don't know what type of preparation or what the timeline is for Angle to step into the cage, but Kurt Angle is becoming a mixed martial artist. Now, I I will say this. Kurt Angle is an amazing athlete, a tremendous athlete, and a guy who is just super gifted, but he is also in his 40s. And I I was talking about this with with a colleague of mine off air. And I said, I'm like, when guys came out of college, collegiate wrestling, uh, amateur wrestling, they had two options. A, staying within wrestling as a coach or a teacher 
or something of that magnitude or working at the at their alma maters or pro wrestling. A lot of amateur wrestlers transition to pro wrestling and have gone on to have amazing careers. The Steiner brothers, Shelton Benjamin, Charlie Haas, uh, Brock Lesnar, of course, Kurt Angle, Chad Gable, um, and a litany of other superstars that have come out of the amateur and Olympic wrestling ranks have transitioned well to professional wrestling. But with MMA continuing to increase in popularity, it was becoming a brand new outlet for guys to go and continue to showcase their abilities. And that's that's what's been happening quite often. Now that MMA is such a such a powerful sport, guys are, are taking the opportunity, whether it be collegiate wrestling, amateur wrestling, whatever the case may be, they're saying there are other opportunities out there besides signing on the dotted line to become a pro wrestler. And while that is great and we're seeing a lot of great, you know, great amateur and and Olympic caliber wrestlers join the ranks in mixed martial arts, we continue to see a lot of Olympians, uh, past Olympians and amateur wrestlers joining the professional wrestling ranks. And that's great, of course, across the board because it's creating brand new opportunities. My issue with Kurt Angle is that he's going into MMA very, very late in the game. This is a guy that when he left WWE, he signed with TNA and has been with TNA for a fair amount of time. And while he's been in TNA, he's injured himself. He's had a lot of different injuries. He's had some personal hardships. But at the end of the day, Kurt Angle will still go out there and deliver a five-star match with minimal effort. My issue with Kurt Angle and his journey into MMA is that while it is great to see a competitor like Angle in the cage, I feel that it's, you know, 10, 15 years too late. Had he left the WWE and 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 decided to jump into MMA like Brock Lesnar did when he was younger, then I can understand that and and maybe he might have even found some serious success in the sport of mixed martial arts. But seeing Kurt Angle in a Bellator cage squaring off against a guy like, like you know, Ken Shamrock or Kimbo Slice, it's just it's just really something that makes it look like a freak show fight. Really makes Bellator look like just a place that's putting together fights that that just look good on paper to boost a rating. And I understand Pride did that at one point, and a couple of other uh, promotions have done that. But you're taking a guy who has an incredible pedigree, has offered a, a ton to the medium of professional wrestling, and you're essentially just throwing him to the wolves at this point. That's not to say that Bellator isn't going to try their hardest to protect him or help him be successful. But I do think that it's just something that's occurring way too late in the game. I thought that when Kurt Angle said that he was going to not re-sign with TNA, he would be back in the WWE. I never would have imagined Kurt Angle step into a cage and fight in mixed martial arts. Never would have thought that in a million years. Now, of course, there are some interesting matches and possibilities there. Kurt Angle and Ken Shamrock. Angle and Kimbo, maybe him and King Mo, maybe 
him and Bobby Lashley, there are interesting matches that can be done for Bellator. But again, how many matches are you really going to get out of Kurt Angle? And how is he, how well will he transition to mixed martial arts? That is something that I can guarantee you I will be watching extreme, with extreme interest because I think that it's one of those stories that it's not going to pick up a lot of traction because obviously when it comes to wrestlers transitioning to MMA, the only buzzword out there is CM Punk. But depending on who he fights, it's going to be very, very interesting to see. Nonetheless, Kurt Angle will be appearing at the Bellator Fan Fest alongside Ken Shamrock, Kimbo Slice, Tito Ortiz, Liam McGeary, and Hoist Gracie. Hell, you never know. It could be Ken Shamrock or Tito Ortiz or Kimbo Slice that square off against Kurt Angle. We shall see what happens. But yep, that's a that, that I figured that would be a great way to close out the MMA segment of the week uh, of this week's show with that crazy, crazy news story. Kurt, I wish you luck, man, but you're going to definitely need it. Anyway, with that said, that is going to wrap up the MMA news of the week. We're going to switch gears. We're going to jump into this week's wrestling. I know Jay is scheduled to call in and help me run through some of the news stories of the week. So let's get this ball rolling and jump right into it. Booker T., Tell us what time it is. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga! Alright, so... This past Sunday, of course, was WWE's Hell in the Cell. Build as the final confrontation between Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker. Now, there were a fair amount of matches that were, on paper, worth checking out. There were obviously some things that had to be changed due to injury, including Randy Orton and Dean Ambrose taking on the Wyatts due to injury. But, by and large, the card itself had its high points and low points. I'm going to bring... Uh, the regular season sport ca- sports cast Jay Santi on to talk us through Hell in the Cell, Raw, and the wrestling news of the week. Let me bring him in and let's get this ball rolling, Mister Santi. What's going on? Did I win? Did I? Am I the ninety seventh caller? Yes, sir. Jingle ball tickets? Yes, sir. Yes. You have jingle ball tickets. <laughs> I've been on hold for the longest. There you go. What's, what's going on? on but not too much, yeah, man. I mean, good. we we had a very very interesting week in the world of professional wrestling. I'm sure you were listening to what I said to close out MMA, Kurt Angle getting into the cage. Yeah, uh, it's funny. I'm listening to it because I also read the article about it. And I said, MMA has now become like the dream fulfiller for all professional wrestlers. It's just become, you know, the make a wish for these guys. Because I think to me, I think of it as just the one shot. Or like you said, the possibility of, you know, making the green, like Dusty would say, where is the money? That's right. And this is what it is for them. They can make the money. The better match that you, you, you mentioned for Kurt Angle would possibly be, uh, he and Kimbo. It would be, I mean, on King Mo, that would be, King Mo would be the match, not Kimbo's life. He and Kim, King Mo would be the better match. 
But um, I think that's going to be one that's going to give him, they probably will give him like a three-fight deal that will build up to that. But, uh, yeah, it, it's just, you know, much plus the MMA for fulfilling these wrestlers' dreams. Well, here's here's the thing. A lot of these guys, like I said before, you come out of the amateurs, you come out of the Olympics, it's like, what's next? Some of them go on to become sportscasters, gym teachers, coaches, or pro wrestlers. And the guys that come out of the amateur collegiate high school uh, armed forces wrestling backgrounds, they end up taking well to professional wrestling. But the problem is that sometimes professional wrestling doesn't take well to them. And obviously we got a, a couple of examples. Look at, look at Shelton Benjamin. Shelton Benjamin's a great example. An incredibly athletic guy, uh, super amazing in the ring, uh, a tremendous collegiate wrestler, uh, a, a college teammate of Brock Lesnar's. They were even a tag team for a while. They were the Minnesota stretching crew. But if you notice, Shelton Benjamin just, he couldn't, he couldn't reach that, that upper echelon that has eluded so many other superstars. And it wasn't because he wasn't a good wrestler. He wasn't athletic. It just, he wasn't the guy for that, you know? Yeah. And, and I think when it comes to the Kurt Angles or the Bobby Lashley's and such, they, they keened in that, you know, this is, this is probably going to be, you know, something that they only have a few years left on, on the clock, the athletic clock. Right. So what better way to do it by like fulfilling this, this, this dream and also being able to draw and possibly look good doing it. Uh, yeah. Bobby Lashley's look pretty damn good doing it. Yeah. It took him, it took him a while to kind of get his wheels under him, but. I also feel that Bobby Lashley jumped into the pool a little late. Same thing with Kurt Angle. I think if Kurt Angle would have gone into MMA at right after he left WWE, he probably would be a, a major star. Just because the guy's just a marketable dude, you know, he has he has the look, he knows how to sell, he, you know, he knows how to sell a fight and a, and that wrestling background is something that is a, is an amazing foundation to build off of when you're going into MMA. But when you're jumping into it after, you know, countless injuries, you know, it almost looks like a fallback plan, you know? Well, the reverse effect is that with now, with the Ronda Rousey, uh, oh, excuse me, anticipation for WWE, she's fulfilling her dream as well. She is, but she's also 28 years old. Oh, yeah, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> who's to say that this is going to happen? Yeah, but I'm saying who's to say that this is going to happen, like, tomorrow? You know, someone had posted on our Facebook page, uh, shameless plug, regular season sportscast, um, that, you know, they, you know, she, she, she has the money for it. And I said, that makes it easier for her because it's not even about the money, but of course she's going to get a nice payout, but she's able to fulfill a dream in what she's been wanting to do for, since childhood. Oh, yeah. So, you know, this is, this is, this is like, this is their, their little way of, giving back to uh, to fulfilling that little void that they have. Oh yeah, we're we're definitely going to take a, a a deeper dive into that. I will say that no sooner did that soundbite get out that both Triple H and Charlotte tweeted Ronda Rousey. Triple H saying, "Yo, the performance center's open for you whenever you're ready." And Charlotte is like, "Yo, you want you want to crack at the Divas belt, you're welcome to it." So, yeah, you know, WWE jumped on that immediately like they they know dude they know that they have 
a bona fide like if you've ever asked yourself can we ever have a female superstar on the same level as the rock wwe is courting that superstar right before our eyes period oh yeah please that's that's guaranteed bank i mean yep. even if she if even if, if she does get a, a loss in her Korea UFC or wherever it is, it's still going to be guaranteed bank. So it's so it, it's it's win win for everybody. Yep, it de- it definitely is. But we'll we'll definitely go into that a little deeper. I did want to touch on on Hell in the Cell before we we go through some of the matches. What did you think of the card as a whole? I, I, like I, said, I wasn't disappointed. It's, it's it's what you get nowadays. Yep, with Hell in a Cell. Uh, I'm I'm one of those I'm one of those guys who just says you know what if you're gonna name a card after something like in an indie show and if it's like, in an indie show if it's gonna be you know hardcore mayhem let every match be a fucking hardcore mayhem I agree. match I agree I, I said that Hell in a Cell yeah yeah every match should be a fucking hell put the divas in a Hell in a Cell match who cares but let me, um I'm glad you said I, that because be it would have I thought it would have been worse yeah well the thing is I would have loved to have seen all the matches take place in the cell. That's something that I I have to admit TNA does very well. Their lockdown right. their lockdown card is all matches in the cage. Uh you know, hardcore justice, all hardcore stipulations of some sort. So you know you're getting that. And I just think that WWE is not leveraging that as much as they should. Like you don't think that an elimination chamber divas match would be worth watching? Yeah, it's 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 like I think with them they believe that if um, overkill kills the product, but when you have a, 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 a an event that has a a theme to it, it's like when years ago we would watch summer uh, Survivor Series, and Survivor Series was every match was booked as a tag match, and we yep. loved it, you know, coming up, and it, it, that's what it was because there was a theme to it. I, I, agree. I think now, I, I, yeah, I think they, I think with them, I, they're, they're they're missing the ball with it. But I also think with them is that they're not wanting to put too much, uh, too many eggs in one basket because they think it'll turn off the audience. I don't know. Well, here, here's the thing: looking at some of the matches, like that that kickoff match, you had remember back in the old days that they used to talk about the SmackDown Six, you know, those six superstars that would carry <laughs> SmackDown. Dude, that kickoff match was your new SmackDown Six because all those all those guys all those guys are incredible workers. They bring even even Sheamus. For as much as I clown Sheamus, he's not a horrible worker. He's just got a bullshit gimmick. He's not a, he's not a shitty yeah, worker. He's just a, he's just no. It's not. And I think it also goes over with the fact that with you know how. They saw in previous pay-per-views where their kickoff matches was like, okay, I can miss the first half hour of a yep. pay-per-view. I can start at 8 o'clock. I thought when they put them all in there, it was like, okay, there might be some legitimacy on why I have to start watching at 730. 100%. Uh, uh, besides the fact that you had every one of the, the – that those six guys are essentially, as, as much as people hate to admit it, they, that is your mid-card. <laughs> that's your entire yeah, pretty much. that's your entire mid card excluding champions yeah if you wanted to if you wanted to put a a, a a title 
or, or an, uh, an example to a new wrestling fan or some or one that's coming back, you will circle those guys. Yep. <laughs> You'd be like, like if somebody there. said to you, who are the five wrestlers I need to watch if I'm going to get back into wrestling? I'd be like Cesaro, Neville, <laughs> you know, those two off off the bat. Those two off the bat. The other guys maybe for some of their mar- their key WWE moments, but it's like for Neville, I'd be like, look up Pac on YouTube. For Cesaro, <laughs> go look up Claudio Castagnoli. Uh-oh. Ring of Honor, go look up Kings of Wrestling and Ring of Honor, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you give people a blueprint, but it was definitely a solid opener. It's the prototype of mid-card. It really really is. And then it's funny because you take that card as the opener and then your mid-card champion, you know, John Cena, um, puts out his U.S. Open Challenge with a surprising return. Um, Alberto Del Rio aligned with Zeb Coulter. I, I will admit, when Zeb Coulter came out on the uh, on on the America Express, I said to myself, <laughs> I said to myself, "Oh God, not Jack Swagger for the eight hundredth time." Oh, you and the and the droves behind you said the same thing because I was in my house going, "Did they just like repackage Jack Swagger and like? Yep, they're gonna do." Is it something that he's going to be the super heel now? Which would have been great. But, but when? Yeah, when, when Del Rio's music hit, three things occurred. A, I was genuinely surprised. B, I was genuinely surprised by the fucking reaction. And C, <laughs> no fancy car, no stupid scarf, just Del Rio being a wrestler. And I said, and I've said this it's- before. I've said this on on various shows, and people can quote me on this. Del Rio, the wrestler, always was solid, never had a problem. Del Rio, the Telemundo soap opera reject, was my fucking problem. Because this- it's funny because I say it on this week's show when I when I mentioned. I said, listen, you know, it, there's never been, he's a great athlete, especially yep. for a guy of his age and his stature, the man could put together. And even in this match that he had with Cena, which a lot of people were, you know, you know, gave the nays and the yays to, but for a guy who just came back that night, it was, he put something together that was pretty magical. And I, I jumped up, I applauded, I said, wow, because, you know, there were rumblings and the dirt and the internet and whatever, but he, you know, everybody got some shit to say, but when I saw him come out legitimately, I was like, welcome back. <laughs> well, here's here's the thing. When he was wrestling in AAA, and I saw him wrestle in AAA, and I saw him wrestle in Lucha Underground, I said, that's the Del Rio that WWE should have had on television every exactly. week. Exactly. You want to make exactly. a Latino superstar. You want to make a guy that people can fucking cheer. It's like, you don't need to be, you know fucking ricardo Montalban when you go out there you don't need to be uh straight walter mercado when you coming out you just need to be a wrestler you don't always need a gimmick why can't you be a mexican athlete that wants to be a champion like it doesn't need you don't need window dressing for that like that's why people get all people get all annoyed when when people talk about oh you know vince doesn't push cesaro because cesaro doesn't have a gimmick and it's like Cesaro doesn't need a gimmick. Whatever happened to just being a motherfucker that wants to win a belt? 
Whatever but happened I to that? Think, yeah, I think somebody was doing their homework and realized, because we already know the backstory of what happened with Delvio and why. Yep. It, it's basically just the, the Daniel Bryan whitewash in which we listen, you know, we got, we got heat for this, you know, we got to put you on the, on the back burner for now. Listen, go make your money somewhere else, but sooner or later we're going to bring you back. But in any case, I think somebody was doing their homework and they said, listen, I think if we just leave him to what he does and just be him, the fans would appreciate it more than us just trying to freaking believe that he's this aristocrat from Mexico. Yep, 100%. Like, he, and they bit it hook, line, and sinker because I sure enough did. Yeah, and, and the thing was that he had chants. People were chanting. I mean, people also were chanting because they hated Cena. But the fact is that... You saw Did something. Did you hear the that, El Patron, the El Patron chant? Yeah, I heard the El Patron chant. I heard the C <laughs> chants. I heard, you know, Cena sucks, and then the C behind it. And um, you know, there, 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 there was a lot of good stuff there. I think Del Rio, whether you book him as a tweener, as a face, I, there's definitely ample possibilities there. And again, John Cena's taking time off. Randy Orton got hurt. This is the time for all of these dudes to step up and grab that brass ring. And it's not just a question of creative pushing them, but it's also about put, going out there and putting out the best matches possible. Like, that's one thing with yeah, Cesaro. And earning, it, yeah, and earning it yourself. Yep. You know, you guys, everybody can sit there and say, well, creative doesn't do this. So, you know, and, and in hindsight, you guys got to earn that shit yourself. And Del Rio has earned it before, earned it during it. And when he came back, you heard the crowd... We can give it to him there. Yep, and the thing about it is that Del Rio can go and have a good match. Like, I said to myself, Del Rio as champion in a match with a guy like Cesaro would be tremendous. And he actually put credibility back on the United States champion. I mean, we haven't seen it since freaking... Uh... Not even not even Cena really did it. I mean, I, as much as with the open challenge, which was cool... He put a lot of guys over, and he he made he made guys that people didn't think was gonna be, you know, upcoming stars or just was he he did a job with it. But I think with Del Rio holding it, there might be a better angle to the belt now, other right. than just you know just just having someone come out and challenge everybody. He's gonna make somebody you know want to take it from him because the heel factor will come in soon. They haven't worked. It'll know. It'll come in soon. Well, the um. The, the Roman Reigns Bray Wyatt match, I, I was happy that we were done with the feud only because I felt that those guys just don't have chemistry together. It's, it's the, it's the equivalent of yelling at your shadow. And the reason I, and, and I say this because here, here you have a guy in Bray Wyatt that's a brawler. He's good on the microphone, has incredible presence on screen, fighting a guy. Who, who's Samoan Fabio, the next John Cena, in a match where nobody gains anything, win or lose. So I was just like, can we just be done with this shit? Because neither guy is gaining anything. If Roman Reigns wins, it's like, all right, Roman Reigns should have won. If Bray Wyatt wins, it's like, finally, somebody believes in the Wyatts. But at the end of the day, a win or a loss accomplished nothing for either guy. Because they're so past well, that point that, you know, the match served its purpose. I mean, it was a good brawl. I think we saw a little bit more out of Roman Reigns this time. Like I usually say, Roman Reigns is the is what I like to call the egg timer. 
where you turn the sand, the hourglass over, you see the sand, and as it gets to that midway point and the sand starts coming down faster, you're, 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 you're flipping it back, hoping that you still have more time. Roman Reigns is that guy. He'll start off, the match is really exciting, and then it just becomes fucking slow and plotting, and you're like, please turn it up a notch, please. We don't want to see punches and kicks for 20 minutes. Well, I think it was proper. It was, it was great booking because they actually put him in a match that it was more, it was in the West Coast, which, yep. which is his area. Yep. Um, for, and for him to go over there, it, it actually, you know, put him over before because in weeks past, we heard him getting booed. We heard him, you know, the, this is boring chance. Yep. Like, it, it, he was getting killed everywhere. But what? on the other side, the Bray aspect actually made uh, Reigns look better because it was the prelude or the prelude to what became Fast Forward Monday. Yep. And I think it was something, once again, that Bray is good at what he does, which is although we want him to be, you know, the, the new darkness, him looking like he's getting defeated by the so-called good guy puts that guy over. So yep. kudos to Bray for doing that for him. Oh, yeah. Bray Bray definitely took an ass-kicking in that match and some really, really strong spots on, on his part. But And like, I'm going to say, that, that match wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Oh, I yeah. really thought it was going to be a shit storm, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. But that was because they had a co-star. They had co-stars in all the props they used. And that's part of it, too. It's like, you know, the you have Bray Wyatt, Reigns, the ref, and this table. There were really four people in that ring. <laughs> you know, like, that's that's how it was. Like, you needed that extra. Cameo appearance with kendo stick. Exactly. You needed, you needed a special assist by the kendo stick to make the match just take that extra level. Uh, you know, hit that extra level of physicality. Again, not a Roman Reigns needs matches like this to become a better performer because, like I like I said, the dude is straight stopwatch. Uh, you give that guy a three minute match, it's like holy shit, this guy's the man. You give that guy a match past the three minute mark, you're like, oh god, can the bell fucking ring? You know, you had a you had a twenty you had a twenty plus minute match out of those two guys that wasn't a complete snooze fest. He, um, and, you know, there's times that I look at him that I actually kind of feel bad for him because it's like, uh, you know, he, 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 you're trying. You really are. You're really trying. It's not like, you know, he reminds me of, <laughs> he kind of reminds me of a diva at certain times because it's like, you're going up and you're trying your best, but when you go to different areas, they're not giving you the benefit of the doubt because you're about to be paid by numbers and we know it. We know it. Well, you know, it, it takes me back to what Paul Heyman said to him. Paul Heyman said, you're the man. You're just the man at the wrong time. And it's true. Yeah, that because, is yeah, it's true. Because Attitude Era, you could have definitely made Roman Reigns a main eventer fairly easy. Now, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you know, people know about work rate. People know about, you know, the independence. People know about superstars before they're even signed. So when you see all that and you're that knowledgeable and then you see this guy that comes out, he's good looking, he's got the long hair, you know, whatever, you throw him out there and it, people just automatically see through the bullshit. And that's a problem. I mean, you know, 
Roman Reigns, he's even said in the interviews himself, he's like, yo, man, you know, I'm out there with guys like Daniel Bryan and shit, you know, and I'm waiting to just be have the rug pulled out from under me for a guy like Daniel Bryan. And the thing is that Roman Reigns, they want him to succeed because he is 100% brick-and-mortar WWE product. You know, I'm sorry, but I can't take you in a, in a hardcore match or a Hell in a Cell match and you got a fucking protective gear on. Like, I can't. That's killing me. Yep, I that's agree. Ri- I I think that whole gimmick has ran its course. Yep. Um, you know, and and with that, I think he'll be he'll be more acceptable with more of of a traditional wrestling gear, even if it's just you know the 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 Titan was that the Dolph Ziggler's wearing something, but that that shit is. Is not proving him to be an acceptable. It's like going into the ring wearing hockey equipment. It's killing me. Well, the other thing too, and I was saying this to to a buddy of mine. I said, I said Roman Reigns. For as much as they try to make him speak well, Roman Reigns is a hood dude, <laughs> and you see it. Him and the Usos. It's like yo, those are street dudes, and you guys try so hard. Uh, yeah, man, everything's good, you know, and it's like, like, when he talks to Dean Ambrose, you see that subtle shift, he'll be like, nah, bro, like, you see it, you see the hood creeping out, and then it, then he has That's to what... remember, he's like, shit, I gotta speak, I gotta speak well, I have to speak well, you see it, and that's, and then that's the problem when he cuts promos, it's not really him. I would him. love to see the the table of three that they have on WWE Network for nine ninety nine that they have. And I would love to see the table of three with the shield where it's like not like, uh, like uncut and you hear Roman, how he really talks. Oh like, dude, I would, <laughs> or not even do a table for three. I would pay another $9.99 to see that shit. Dude, a table for three with him and just the Usos. Oh my God. I'll pay 20 for that. <laughs> dude, that's like watching, that's like watching new Jack city. <laughs> you know, it'll be Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yeah, man, those guys. I, I, you know, and you can see so, that because that's what made The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, made those guys work was the fact that they reached a point where here's a here's a cue card with the bullet points of what should be in your promo. Go out and do what you got to do, and that was it. Roman Reigns, it's like I'm gonna punch you in the face believe that i'm like all right we got it that's what you're gonna do thanks great hey guys uh make sure you cut that down to believe that that's it (laughs) like that's what that's what that used to be the joke remember when they were in the shield it's like first it was ambrose doing all the talking and then rollins they, they were like all right we need rollins to talk more and then rollins just started running away with it but whenever that camera cut to roman it would just be believe that or yeah wrestlers who've had managers who did all the talking for them and were successful. Yep. It's okay. We could do that with Roman as well. It's all right. All right. We can get him a manager. Yeah, we can do that. Make him something. Hell, Brock is ridiculous. We don't need him talking. No, Brock should never <laughs> ever speak. Everything. Brock should never speak <laughs> ever. Because it's always like either he comes off like he has his nuts in a vice. Or, or I'm just gonna try and do like screaming warrior cry, 
And it's, it just never works. Like, yo, just go out there, suplex people, and go home. Yeah, exactly. But um, it just comes off very douchey. Oh yeah. So I I wanted to, to jump back into this. The um the tag team match with the New Day and the Dudleys. A lot of people that I know were like, yo, man, they really couldn't give the Dudleys the belts. And I'm like, because the Dudleys holding no. the belts accomplish nothing. And nothing. that's the problem. Exactly. I said the same thing. It's like it's like the New Day with the belts, without the belts, they're compelling. They bring something to the screen that is unique and refreshing. The Dudleys bring tables and dated 90s references. That's it. Yeah. And I also said, I said, you know, the same people who are saying that, you guys wouldn't be saying that if they didn't come back. You would enjoy I agree. the fact that New Day has the belt because you guys have been wanting it. How many of you guys have been sitting there crying? Oh, they need to do something with Kofi. Oh, Big E is this. Oh, Xavier Woods is actually really good. Now that you got him as one of the fucking top heels, yep. top heels in the stable. And, you know, I don't want it to throw the race card, but I'm going to do it anyway. The top black heels in yep. wrestling. I agree. Aside, now, you want to pass the freaking? That's ridiculous. No, well, the thing that I've always said is, you know, and and you may agree, you know, Xavier needs more ring time, only because Xavier is is a great athlete, and you need to start looking at those guys post New Day, meaning you got three performers, two of them are going to be a, a guaranteed tag team, one of them is going to be a mid a, a, a bona fide mid Carter in the next stage, who's it going to be? And I've always said, Xavier and Kofi have better chemistry, and Big E is the guy. Right. And as much as we see now their inner selves are coming out in this in this role, right. which is utterly hilarious, and it's great because it's it, it just shows that it gives the big FU to the guys in the back who try to make them something else. Right. Like you said, the, what's going to happen next? What yep. are you going to do next? Because if you put Kofi and Xavier together as a tag team, those guys will run. They can run rapid crazy. Yep. And Big E will be high mid-car, lower, uh, you know, lower. Maybe, yeah, he might even have a chance for a title one. No, I think I think Big E has the chance at a title run because this this gimmick has allowed us to see a new dimension of him as a performer. We can see that a guy he can be a serious heavy, you know, quiet and and menacing and we also see that he's capable of making fun of him of himself and having a good time out there and and making making people laugh and making people entertain. And going back to what you said about Dusty about the green, it's like if Big E had a chance in the main event, he'd bring the green because the guy, oh, yeah. he can wrestle, he can entertain, and he can speak extremely well. And we, we already know that talented athleticism, it's all tied in. Hell, I knew the guy had a character when he on his Instagram, in which, unfortunately, I barely see him anymore. But Yep, they've, they've, um, they've stopped that shit. Yeah, <laughs> the bucks out there, but yep. we 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 can only hope that you know. But and by the way, if you guys haven't seen it yet, once again, another plug for WWE Network and that table for three thing is is like a, if you haven't seen it, yet, it's oh, it's 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 shoe 
somewhat. And you have to look it for yourself, but they explained the whole reasoning and how the correlation of the new day utterly hilarious. It's probably yep. one of the funniest table for threes that they have there. Oh yeah, extremely. We, extremely I, I will hold. I, I these are guys that I really hope genuinely that they actually push forward in the next couple of years yep. and not just throw them away once new day is separated. No, I I agree a hundred percent. Everybody talked about the shield and where they went from there. We should be talking about the new day and where they go right. from there because they're they're at that stage. And if they and if they continue right. to be the happy go lucky heels that kick ass when needed when necessary, people are gonna people are gonna be chopping at the bit for when they turn. Right, hundred percent, especially with with with. <laughs> You, it's rare that you can get guys that who can get on the mic and keep you entertained for yep. at least two or three minutes. So you gotta embrace it for a little bit longer. Oh, absolutely. The um, the Divas Championship match was a match that I'd like to say goes back to what you said. Would have looked even better in the cell. There were a lot of good spots, a lot of good storytelling. Um, Nikki Bella didn't look like a complete crime victim out there. Um. Definitely some crazy spots. I was a little shocked with that top rope spot that they did, only because that camera angle they were using just did not make it look proper at all. I was just about to say, I said if you know everything was going along, going along well, you know they had some, you know maybe you know a slight botch here and there, which wasn't too you know heavy on 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 the match, but that that spot, it was like. Yeah, that's not gonna go over well. <laughs> so we could have we could have shot that different. Yeah, I was like, I'm like, whoa, whoa, and you and everybody's like, hey, 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 what what is happening? But then when the spot was finally delivered, I was like, okay, you know, like there were definitely. But some... I like the fact. But it goes to show you that Charlotte is actually a true professional because she was able to make it look cleaner than it should. Right. And. And kudos to Nikki as well because she was able to cover up. And which I mentioned, I was mentioning on the show. I said they 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 stepped up because they honestly said, you know what? I don't want to hear it anymore about us being these power puff girls anymore that go out there just as a filler matches. Right. Like I see what the girls are doing at NXT, and now they're coming up here. I want to go out there and put on a freaking show. And for them to give them the time that they had for a pay per view, yep, was was top notch. Yeah, they, they almost they, had, they, they stepped it up. Yeah, they almost had eleven minutes, but like I said, uh, they, probably almost eleven, twelve minutes. But like I said, that match probably would have taken an interesting turn had it been contested inside the cell. Yeah, just be you know just show show them ball sometimes, man. Yep. You're doing it in NXT. You're giving these girls, you know, these Iron Man matches. You know, everybody's gonna sit there and, and say, "Okay, NXT's doing it. What are you gonna do with main roster?" No, I I agree. I I do have to say that the uh, the Kane and Seth Rollins match was positioned in a very very awkward place because then you did the IC title match afterwards. Very very weird pacing. I do have to say, as much as I shit on Kane. He didn't look totally terrible in his match with Rollins, and I think a part of that is because Rollins makes everybody look good. Again, I don't want Kane anywhere near the belt, but he was definitely running on a on a on a good on good cylinders for this match. He looked he was crisp, he was 
He was moving better than he usually does. And Rollins made him look like a million bucks. But now that it's all said and done, keep him the fuck away from that belt. Oh no. Now, like I, like I, like I mentioned, I'll say, um, I usually like my cane very demonic and very, uh, hellacious. Yep. This is cane light. Yep. This is, uh, this, this is, it's like years ago when Pepsi had Pepsi clear and, and this is what cane is. Yep. I don't know, I like, I like my cane burning people. I like my cane being very, hell, he had more of a very, more evil run when it was with Daniel Bryan after yep. their breakup. This is very, lights and uh, dude we're talking about a guy that's okay we're talking about a guy that put jumper cables on shane mcmahon's balls like (laughs) like like we're talking about a guy that set jim ross on fire in oklahoma my god my god he that man has a family (laughs) you know like like that's like 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 this is this is a guy that tombstoned linda mcmahon you know what I mean? Like, like, right. I mean, come on. Exactly. And now we're getting this is this was this is um Kane on Raw kind of Kane for a pay per view. I think for a pay per view, I mean, you could have brought something out of him. A yep. little, I mean, something. He's he's PG thirteen um, Kane. He's he's every horror movie that comes out that's PG thirteen, where people get killed yeah. off screen and you know little jump scares. That's what Kane is. Kane is PG. <laughs> That's PG thirteen horror movie Kane, but which is going to lead us to what I'm predicting going to most likely be the SummerSlam because since he was out of he was off uh, TV on Monday, it's going to lead us to what you're going to be speaking about later on. Yep, and the main event never happened. So go ahead. Um, <laughs> props to props to Kevin Owens for making Ryback look good in that match. Ryback definitely. Um, had a lot of good spots. Is that probably possibly the shortest IC match you've ever seen? Oh, dude, it was, it was like maybe five minutes. Like it was like, I saw it and, but you know what the problem is? Ryback is such a big dude and the motherfucker turns like magenta, like halfway through the match. I'm like, yo, this fucking guy's gonna <laughs> die out there. And I don't know if it's just because he's such a massive human being or the fucking roids, but it's like, dude, like, like yo, slow it down, slow it down. I understand your 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 Mister Intensity, but don't fucking keel over dead over there. Well, you know the big guy has to go out there and he has to be intense for his fans, and he needs to get that IC belt back. Oh yeah, it's, that's the fine. Big guy does yeah, that's great. <laughs> but the big guy was turning into the fucking dead guy. He was almost corpsing up. Yeah, yo, I'm like, I'm fuck? like, when when he was when he was getting ready to do the meat hook, and he and he's just yo, he's like burgundy. I'm like, oh shit, like what the like? It reminded me of when Brock Lesnar first came back and he got like super jacked within like three weeks, and he had, I believe, it was that match with I want to say it was a match with Cena, and he was just he was just turning blue out there. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? The goof, the goof here at TRSS is now on um, when you're creating a wrestler for WWE 2K. It has to be the prototype of Ryback because Ryback has like every accessory possible on himself now. Yep. You just have the belt, the arm straps, the elbow pad, the knee pad, the belt, the kick pad. You have to put everything on this wrestler to now to make him fucking Ryback. Ryback is like. 
he has the most unnecessary shit going on. And that's probably why it was wearing him down. Well, I <laughs> mean, too much. you know what it is? He's such an, he's such a cool looking dude. Like you look at Ryback and you say to yourself, yo, that guy. Why is he not champion? That, that guy should be representing WWE as a Right. Champion. Like, like you look at that or you just look at him and go, that guy's a wrestler. You know what I mean? Like, right. like there was a, there was a skit a couple of weeks back where they had a guy running around on television on, on the street here in New York with Chris Pratt. And he would walk up to people with Chris Pratt and he'd be like, yo, for a dollar, do you know who this is? No joke. And people are like, nope. Uh, people's sexiest man, no clue. Like, and, and finally, like they walk, ran up to like one older woman and she's like, oh, Chris Pratt. And he was like, yes, you know, like Ryback, it's like you have Ryback out there and you're like, he's a wrestler. You know what I mean? Like everybody just looks like, uh, yeah, that guy's a wrestler. Who is he? Yeah, exactly. Because that's the problem. Either, either you're bouncing at some fucking club or you your body slamming somebody in the middle of a ring. That's it. And you look at him and you go, wow, if I were going to be a wrestler, I want to look like that (laughs) and i think that's that's one of the things that's a that's a gift and a curse like he's so huge that i i I just don't feel like his body is acclimated to fueling that machine (laughs) you know what i mean like like here's a here's a good example if if you lift weights and you do cardio everything improves your conditioning your body etc if you just lift weights and don't work on conditioning your lungs, your heart, etc. You're carrying around all that weight, and your body's got to be like, holy shit, it's the engine of a fucking Toyota Corolla powering a Ram pickup truck. <laughs> and that's what's happening. Like, you see him out there, and Kevin Owens, it's like everybody clowns Kevin Owens. They're like, oh, you know, dad bod. And it's like, yo, but Kevin Owens but is that going... that fucking guy can go 90 minutes there you go. if he needs to. Yep, With, without... And again... That's not to say that that Kevin Owens should can't be in better shape. He can be, and if you and if you've been watching, you notice that he is getting into bed. Like I'm like I'm like, hey, that little bump under his t-shirt is getting smaller. Yeah, he's he's becoming um um Bully Ray <laughs> before uh, he's becoming Bully Ray. Well, no, he's becoming Bully, Bully Ray. Ray. Yeah, he's becoming Bully. You beat me to it. He's becoming Bully Ray in TNA because Bully Ray in WWE. Yeah. That motherfucker ate Bully Ray from TNA. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, what the hell happened? Seems, uh, seems someone let themselves go and say so the contract. <laughs> no, man. Someone someone let themselves go when they started dating Velvet Sky, kid. They they gained that freshman that 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 uh that freshman fifteen. For real. It's like dude started dating Velvet Sky and he's like, Oh, she ain't getting rid of me. Fuck it. Well she she, she she liked me this way. She'll like me another way. That's matter. it. <laughs> so um, the big one, the Hell in the Cell, a uh, couple of things. Even though that match was completely insane and Brock Lesnar almost killed a paramedic and there was blood, which Vince McMahon, from what's been said, was not happy about. The thing that gets oh, me... But, oh, wait, there's also contradictory reports to that as well. Oh, yeah, of course. Tons of contradictory reports. But I'll tell you this much. If you're having a match with those two guys, you got to expect some blood. Hate to say it, but it's true. That's number one. Number two, anybody that is angry about The Undertaker losing in this match, you got to understand The Undertaker's like 50-something years old. 
Brock Lesnar is a fucking <laughs> mammoth, monstrous Viking motherfucker. No, fucking, he, no one you, wins. Did you, get to, did you get to watch the Did you get to watch the Stone Cold podcast with him? Oh yeah, dude. Like, 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 yo, Brock Lesnar. As much as, as much as a douche, people may want to think that he is. That is probably the most realist interview when it came to wrestling I have ever heard because he t- he says it flat out. And as much as he, he'll say, yo, it's all about the business. I'm part of the business. I'm not a wrestling guy. It's all about business. The guy goes out there for a business that he probably doesn't even care about and shows up. Yo, he yep. fucking shows up. But it's also because you got to remember, and, and people lose sight of this, the Undertaker is not going to let you come in there and fucking be a pussy either. You're talking about a guy that is the, the leader of that locker room. You know what I mean? You're going to go you out can, there. I, you're not going to sandbag. But look at every Brock match that he's had. Even when I'm, I'm talking about when he came, when he first came back, especially with the Cena matches, the guy went out there and threw his body on the line for a lot of shit. Oh, yeah. I'm a lot not... of moments, he's, he's bleeding. He's doing all this shit. He, he, he would have been like anybody who's coming to cash a check and be like, hey, I'm punching the clock and I'm out. He's out there putting in that work, and I respect that. I oh. found a newfound respect for the dude. Oh yeah, I respect. I respect what he's doing too. The only thing, like I said, is that you can't you can't take away the from the Undertaker. As much as people are like, you know, the Undertaker should have got the win. I don't understand why they're they're throwing the Undertaker under the bus. It's like you got to understand the Undertaker win, lose, or draw will always be the Undertaker. Like, that's the shit that people don't understand. Yes, the streak was important, but the streak is something that once he lost it, it didn't take away from the fact that the guy had one of the best entrances in the game, one of the best, you know, one of the best records in the game, one of the most highlight and career-defining moments in the game. It doesn't matter. The man is not even successful in his own match. Hell in the Cell is his match. He's been in 13. He's only won six. There you go. Yeah, so, but also in part, Brock Lesnar even said it when they were in with the interview with Stone Cold. It was like, you know, a lot of people were upset because, you know, I won. But of all people that you that he's fought during the years, looking at me and looking at what I've accomplished, who else would beat The Undertaker? And you're like, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, that's the... <laughs> Well, that's the thing that people sometimes fail to comprehend. It's like, and, and this is part of the reason why WWE always back themselves into a corner. Because, like, recently, a guy like Daniel Bryan, in, in a perfect world with his pedigree and his wrestling background, he can beat an Undertaker or a Brock Lesnar. But the problem is that right. WWE's made it to a point where, you know, these larger-than-life guys can't be defeated realistically by an Adrian Neville or uh you know what I mean or a Chris Jericho I'm well Chris Jericho is an exception but you know Brock Lesnar going out there and having a match with uh, as an example Adrian Neville it's like people expect Brock Lesnar to kill Adrian Neville dead that's not to say that he shouldn't but that also people won't accept if Neville were to win believably but here's the other thing, is that Brock is not the kind of guy who's going to be 
a, a company a, a company guy or uh, not even I wouldn't even say company guy or just a, a, a industry guy who'll say, well, I don't believe this is believable or whatever. He'll you want me to put this guy over? Okay, yep. I'll put him over, but just make it believable that I'm gonna put it over. Like, don't make it seem like though I'm just gonna fucking give him the win for nothing. Right. Make it look believable. Like he he's not the kind of guy that's he's gonna say, no, I'm not gonna go out there and do that. Oh, all right. I'll put him over. Show me how. Tell me how you're gonna do it and make it seem legit because I'm 300 something of mass. I could be the Incredible Hulk's fucking illegitimate son. Show me how this little Neville guy can beat me. Yep. And that's the thing. Like in the Undertaker in that match, he had to hold his own because he had to. But inevitably, the Undertaker was going to lose. Oh yeah. You know, and that's that's how I see it now. You know, with that said, I understood the ending. People were like, "Oh, you know, what the fuck with the Wyatts? You know where it's going, and we'll we'll talk about that in a oh, moment." Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. you know, switching gears on the Raw side of things, you know, post post Hell in the Cell, you know, Rollins Rollins is out there talking shit, and um, you know, we're gonna get the matches throughout the night to to give um, Fatal Four Way to give his number one contender. Uh, the opening match, solid promo work from Reigns to set to get the ball rolling, and a pretty decent match with him and Kofi as well, because Kofi made him look what, fucking stellar. A, yeah, I was about to say, isn't that an unlikely pairing? Unlikely is all hell. They would have put him. Yeah, I would. I would have thought they would have put him against him. That that was that was unlikely. I was also I I was a little bummed out only because. You know, they gave us Kevin Owens and Cesaro, and I said to myself, fuck, one guy's going to lose. Because you would have liked to have seen both guys in that fatal four-way. But once again, yeah. tremendous fucking match. Tremendous. Well, of course. It's always, once again, um, Indy provides gold. <laughs> well, like I, always, I, like I always say, even though NXT is WWE's re- developmental system, the best developmental system WWE has is Ring of Honor, Evolve, and every other promotion. <laughs> <laughs> and I said it. I said it on the previous show. I said, you know, as much as people want to sit there and say that, you know, NXT is the Monday minor league. No, no, it's not actually. That's it. Evolve, Ring of Honor. That's that's their minor league. Hey man, we got this really promising blue chipper from some organization called the Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor is a fucking wrestling <laughs> company. No, it's not. <laughs> Like, that's what's happening. When I saw that they put Evolve on the WWE page, I was yep. like, is this, did somebody make a mistake? Did they yep. actually acknowledge the promotion? That's, really? Yeah, and that's what happens, man. Like, people are like, <laughs> or when they were talking about um, Apollo Crews and the little NXT feature, and they were like, oh, you know, courtesy of Evolve. And I'm like, oh, look at that. Once again. Did you see that they actually put um, the, the vignette or the, the, the video footage? They had it from Elks Lodge. Yep. I kept going, oh, that's Elks. That's Elks. That's Elks. <laughs> yeah, and that, it, it's good that they're doing that because, again, it's it's one of those things where WWE, you don't need to acknowledge the competition because if you don't want to, but you can because no one's even close to touching what you guys are doing. Yeah, you know, I'm, like you can you know mention what? Ring of Honor. It doesn't matter. Hell, they need that. They need the plug. But the fact is, you're, you're, you know, they're not. You're Ring of Honor is not that? hurting them. Of course, and I was about to say, it's not like you're hurting anybody. Yep. It's fine. 
But you know what? It's funny that you say that because Shameless Plug added here, regular season sportscast next week actually touches upon, I will be touching upon that same topic, healthy competition. Yep, because you know what it is, I had dude? to put that out there. <laughs> Here's the thing. If you don't want to acknowledge TNA because whatever, fuck those guys, okay, I understand. If you don't want to acknowledge Global Force Wrestling because whatever, fuck Jeff Jarrett, no problem. But Ring of Honor's not hurting you. Hell, Ring of Honor's giving you half of their half of your fucking roster. Shit, they might, they, they, they might as well say at the end of each of their freaking tapings, WWE, you're welcome. Yep, because it's like when you watch the Ring of Honor special, you know, the, the Ring of Honor shows that they give on Destination America, they make sure to show you Samoa Joe, Tyler Black, CM Punk, yeah. Daniel Bryan, Kevin Steen, sh- you know, Claudia. Can I, shall I go down the list? Yeah, it's like no bitterness. This is like, whatever. Yep. Remember and, where they came from first. And it's like, and even now, it's like Ring of Honor still killing it. Like, they still got, like, you don't think WWE wouldn't scoop up a guy like Dalton Castle. You know they would. <laughs> Oh, yeah, please. Even If they're not even looking at Moose right now, they're losing yep. their mind. And that's, and that's the thing. It's like Ring of Honor has enough that's guys. That's definitely a cash cow for them yep. if they don't get Moose. Yeah, it's like they look, you know, you got guys like Moose. You got guys like Dalton Castle. Oh, did the show drop out? I think it did. Hold on a second, guys. I got to redial back in. I guess the show dropped out on the Blog Talk Radio side. Hold on a moment. All right, we're back in there. I don't know if Jay dropped out. I think he did. Uh, apologies for that. Jay, if you're listening, just uh, give me a call back. As I was saying before the call was cut off, the um, Ring of Honor and Evolve, all these other promotions, definitely, like Jay was just saying, were incredibly influential in giving WWE some amazing talent. And because of that, I think that, oh, he is in there. Hold on a second. Thank you, Slick. Jay. It wouldn't be us if we didn't have a phone issue at least one time during our show. Yeah, man. That, that's that, that. You know what the funny thing is? It's like. It's a trademark. It's cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it's tremendous. As as I was saying, you know, the and you were saying before we got cut off, the fact is that you look at, you know, all these companies putting these guys out there. And even if WWE's picking them up one by one, the crazy thing is that they're still creating stars every week. Like, like Ring of Honor, after they lost the Wolves and they lost so many other tag teams and performers, I was like, all right, who else are they going to get? And then all of a sudden, like, Daniels and Kazarian go back and they're killing it. The Young Bucks go and show up. They're killing it. AJ Styles is killing it. The Bullet Club, when they show up, they're killing it. The exchanges with New Japan Pro Wrestling, setting shit on fire. It's like, without even trying. But what what pisses me off more than anything, and, it, it, and I'm not even going to say the, the smarts that, that are, are, are you know trolling everybody in, on the internet and stuff, or whatever it is they can't go to, is the guys who are already in the industry who... Always are the first ones to say, well, you know, it's it, it, you see that WWE is actually picking up where everybody else is and they're getting these guys from other promotions, but they're not bringing the homegrown guys. 
But yet you're the same guys who are sitting there talking about, oh, why is he not getting a break? Why is this tag team not getting a break? But, you know, you can't have it either way. Oh, well, here's the actually, thing. You could, you could create something and then you got to bring something from somewhere. You guys are just so thicky and, uh, picky and finical. It's ridiculous. Well, here's, here's one thing. Everybody was complaining that Tyler Breeze never won the NXT title. People were complaining left or right. You know, Tyler Breeze, the guy's been there forever, busting his ass, never won the belt. No, because guess what Tyler Breeze just did? He leapfrogged all the motherfuckers that won the belt, and he's on the main roster. Yep. Before Sami Zayn, before Finn Balor, before Baron Corbin, as a, you know, a guy that everybody talks about, before Apollo Crews, anybody. It's like, oh, look, Tyler Breeze. And, and he's in there pretty much wrestling himself with Dolph Ziggler. But any way you slice it, the fact is that you don't always need to put the belt on the guy. Or you don't always need yep. to put the guy through NXT for a year. Maybe the guy only needs three months. Look at Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens came into NXT, fucked shit up, came up to the main roster. And yes, she can, can he probably still be whooping ass in NXT? Sure. But the guy was so ahead that it almost felt like a demotion keeping him down there for too long. Which I, which I, which, which now I appreciate when it comes to the whole curveball aspect. Cause it's like, Oh, once, once someone gets the NXT belt and they drop it, they're going to the main roster. You know what? Tyler Breeze said, fuck you. Nah, I don't need to do it. Cause I could go to the main roster without that, that the whole, uh, 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 rite of passage bullshit. And it's true. I mean, there's always going to be some guys that need the belt for legitimacy. But I'll tell you right now, if Samoa Joe didn't win the belt and got called up to the main roster, it would, no one, no one should be, no one should even utter a comment because Samoa Joe's at that stage in his career where the fucking guy doesn't even need a belt. Exactly. But you so look at a guy, everybody during the NXT battle royal and everybody said, Oh, this is, this is cakewalk. Samoa yep. Joe's winning that shit. Exactly. And it's like, what? He didn't win? I honestly thought that it was probably going to be Baron Corbin only because they're keeping him out there enough that I said to myself, Baron Corbin's going to be the next guy. And, and yeah, the, his push is like so obvious. <laughs> oh, his push is obvious, but the problem is that, like I said, like the dude, you know... It, he, he, he busts his ass. You know, when I was watching the Breaking Ground, uh, you know, the, some of the Breaking Ground stuff, and they were like, yeah, you know, and, and you, you see Baron Corbin believes his own hype. Like, Baron Corbin knows that he can, he can be a main eventer fairly quickly. He knows it. And that's why when what Albert was saying is like, you know, sometimes – you know, the guy has to, he gets frustrated that he's not where he should be. And that, and I said to myself, that's going to be that guy's downfall. Because that guy, it's like, yeah, you know, you're big, you move, you're athletic, whatever. But your wrestling's not that fucking great. And your mic well, work is Baron shit. Corbin, <laughs> Baron Corbin should be thanking the health gods that Corey Graves was unfortunately sidelined for the rest of his life because he slid right into that same yep. angle, that same gimmick, and that same type of a, The only thing different was Corey Graves is actually, was actually a, a, a very good wrestler. Correct. And he was actually pretty prolific on the mic. 
but he was able to slide right into that 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 whole that whole model. Yep. The um the the PCB team Bella match from Raw, I gotta say, shows that you need to bring up more divas. It's the same fucking shit. It's some combination of the Bellas fighting PCB or bad every week. It's like, yo, whatever happened to I want the belt? Like, this stable shit is getting old. And I've said this in, in previous episodes. It's getting old. And, oh, look, uh, Paige with the inevitable heel turn. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> Are they, no, I, I mean, I... I could be like far on out with you know what, what's going on during bookings, but is this still like only one diva match per Raw that's happening? Uh, this week it was. Yes, this week it was one. Yeah, because I, I would believe that if at least they would, I don't know, maybe try to spread it out a little something, maybe give them two matches, it wouldn't look so cluttered. Well, it it's like like such a like Slick said. Slick's like, yo, it doesn't even have to be more divas. It could just be more singles matches. It was just true. Yeah. Like, shit, I'll take more singles matches. You know? I think it's just all out there. Somebody's going, listen, we gotta, we all gotta be out there because we need our faces out there. It's like, no, let them want you to come out there. Yep. Let them, you know, anticipate something. But like you said, the whole page, uh, I wouldn't even say heel turn, whatever the fuck it is. Uh, spoiler alert if you guys didn't watch it yet. Yeah, uh, what a, by the way, she's fucking awesome, man. She, she, she's awesome when it comes to, like, just being that catalyst. Right. But I just think they put her in the wrong spot to do it. Cause like you said, so, so predictable. That well, was, it was, that and the fact that Paige is a wrestler who is conditioned to not be a team player. Like, you look at Paige and you go, right. yo, that's the goth chick that hates everyone. You know what I mean? Like, that's her, that should, right there, it's her gimmick without even being her gimmick. So why go the extra mile and force this alliance with, with, with Becky Lynch and Charlotte when you know that the chick is not made for that? I would have, it, it, it wasn't even like stretched for like a month. Nope. It was like a two week tease and it was like, there you go. They're like, well, at least we expected that shit. There you go. I will say this. That Alberto Del Rio and Neville match reinforced what we were saying about Del Rio being back in there. And that's that Del Rio looked really good. Neville was Neville. You know, he, Neville did what Neville does. But he had really good chemistry in there with Del Rio. Can you imagine that a man who's only been on the roster for probably that long was able to put together a match like that with a guy like Neville, that's that kudos to both of them, man. That's yep. crazy. That's good. That, that's good. Freaking that's, that's good calling right there. Now I got to say this though, the, um, the Ryback and Dudley boys match against the new faction of Seamus, Wade Barrett and Rusev was a fucking train wreck from start to finish. <laughs> the only good part was Wade Barrett for some reason, dancing after he won like a psycho. I'm like, uh, okay. However, what however, we, have we not given them a stable name yet? Like, if it's, if it's like the for some the reason, or something yeah, like that. I don't know. I think they said that they were like the European ultras. I'm like, what is that? 
Sounds like like <laughs> sounds like 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 cream. Yo, I gotta put European Ultra on this infection. Like, what the fuck is that? It's like it's like a new beer that's coming out. It's like, that's hey, you it. Ever tried that European Ultra? Yeah. Oh dude. man, it's delicious. It's, it, it, I was like, yo, come on, man. But you know the um the Bray Wyatt promo was solid. Kane coming out there to get his ass whooped. Leads leads me to believe, and I'm sure you agree with this. That hey, look, Survivor Series match, the Brothers of Destruction against the Wyatts, maybe oh, with two yeah. other guys. Oh yeah, it's going to be the classic Survivor Series match. Um, we're going to see. We we we've already seen that in dark matches. The Brothers of Destruction had matches had a match against the Bray oh, against um, the Wyatt family. So it's going to lead up to that, but. The cliffhanger is who's going to be the tag team that tags with the brothers. I, I this goes back to what I said. If they would have had Kane managing the Ascension, then that's what you would have needed for this match. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you would think that'd be the logical choice. Yeah, but no. What? What? I, I'm going to guarantee that Cena is somewhere involved in this. Oh, God. You're probably not even wrong. <laughs> Fucking, you're probably not even wrong. But um, the thing that gets me. He'll be the last guy chosen. It'll be, it'll be like Dolph Ziggler and Cena. <laughs> no, it was, it was, it was ridiculous. I, I'll say this. But we got Big E and, and, and Ziggler in a match, which was surprisingly solid. And, of course, the Fatal 4-Way Ziggler, Del Rio, Owens, and Roman Reigns. First of all, I wouldn't mind seeing we a match. Knew who wasn't going to win? Well, we knew who wasn't going to win. This is true, but I will say this: <laughs> I wouldn't mind seeing a, a program with Owens and Reigns. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, that it, looked it, really it, solid. That 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 would actually be smart smart booking. It would, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I would, I would, lo- I'd love to see it. I think, I think it would be. Um, it w- it would definitely work, but once again, like I have to enforce. When you saw the fatal four way go on, we was like, "Yeah, he's not gonna win." Yeah, it well, would be great to see Dolph win, but he wasn't gonna win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, 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 as much as you know, as much as you want to say that, it's like, nah, guys, no. Dolph, Dolph, you know, <laughs> always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Never the bride. <laughs> Poor bastard. <laughs> But I'll say this, the um, the match itself was fucking tremendous. A lot of great spots, really good. Um, that that finish with the pop up power bomb into the Superman punch was dope. Yeah, really solid. Kevin I like, called it. I know. I know he did. I know Kevin called that shit. Yeah, I was like, oh, <laughs> look at that. That was that was a that was definitely a dope spot. I did want to um, switch gears and go through some of the the wrestling news of the week to wrap things up um, news that should come as a shocker to no one. I got a press release from WWE of 19 new talents joining the performance center. Most of them guess where they were from. Hmm. Was it not from uh homegrown WWE? No, it was, was it the Indies. No, it was all motherfuckers from tough enough so you not only make a show to get a contract 
to put people on breaking ground, which is what's going to be part of it. But you sign the motherfuckers from Tough Enough. So here, here's the here's the skinny. Um, basically, it's a class of 19 recruits that are going to be obviously working at the WWE Performance Center, and some of them will be seen on breaking ground. And uh, amongst you got some Tough Enough guys, some wrestlers. So I'm going to give you guys the list of of signees. Obviously, Mata from Tough Enough, which I knew was going to happen. The guy's six six, weighs two hundred and seventy five pounds. It's it's and the guy could he could be something. On top of the fact that he's all he was also the trainer for Jason Momoa on Game of Thrones. So nice little uh, nice little tie in. <laughs> so, it, but, dude, when I saw that guy, I said, "This guy's the most unique looking dude there." Because it's like, yeah, you know, and he has the look. As yep. long as they don't do the gimmick bullshit, don't give him a freaking, don't give him a uh, turban, uh, uh, the Egyptian headdress, yep. none of that shit. Don't send him out with a fucking sphinx. <laughs> It'll be all right. <laughs> but um, you know, they signed him. Uh, this guy Christopher Atkins, who wrestled and uh, New Aussie Wrestling and a couple of other places. Of course, once again, six foot six, two hundred and fifty pounds. Former bodybuilder, you know what to expect. Um, Daria from Tough Enough also signed. Shocker. Not in the least. Um, not in the least. <laughs> this guy, Cesar Bononi, was a Brazilian Wrestling Federation champion, three-time state champion at the Sao Paulo Football League, uh, captain of the All-Brazilian Football League, fluent in Portuguese. So, again, you're getting, you're starting to get some international flavor in there. Of course, Josh Breedle, who's the guy that won it, the big, the big, the big long haired dude. We, we already know what the story is with him. Uh, Patrick Clark, who was a favorite, uh, one of the passionate tough enough contestants signed, not shocked. They're going to make him earn it. Watch. They're going to make him earn it. Yep. Just because he showed how much. He, yeah, they're going to make him. He's going to job the fuck out for a long time. Yeah, dude, dude spent 10 years in the JROTC program. He wrestled. At the Forestville Military Academy from 2011 to 2013, dude definitely has the pedigree. He has the passion and the love for the business. Is that going to be enough to get him noticed? We're going to find out because obviously we didn't get the full picture during Tough Enough. Let's see what they do with him in, in on you know in NXT. Uh, Gabriel Ely, uh, trained by Angel Armani, was he's been on Extra on Monday Night Raw. He was also a Ford model. Um, his twin brother, Uriel Ely was also signed. I said to myself, Oh, look, tag team of twins. Yeah. The, the, the Bella's male. There you go. Uh, Christopher Gerard from Boston, uh, worked for evolve pro wrestling, gorilla dragon gate, WXW Southside wrestling entertainment, beyond wrestling two CW top rope and combat zone wrestling. Well, uh, gee, I think that guy kind of knows what to do. <laughs> also trained with Lance Someone Storm. Someone has an extensive resume. Oh, you ain't kidding. I was just about to say that. Are we getting Lance Storm guys? Yep. Because that's what, listen, uh, Tyler Breeze is a Lance Storm guy. Yep. Lance Storm has a, a, a an eye for talent. That is so, oh my God, and he is so unappreciated his wrestling school. He, his talent needs to come up out there a little bit more. Um, definitely. Uh, Dallas Harper from Canton, Ohio. 
uh, trained at uh, ASWA Professional Wrestling, worked in Anarchy Wrestling out of out of Georgia, was a basketball standout. Uh, they got a guy named Adrian Jaoud, a uh, world class amateur wrestler who competed at state, regional, national competitions. Six foot two, um, best Brazilian wrestler in the junior category. Um, comes from a legendary family of Aikido martial artists and is fluent in Spanish, Portuguese, and Arabic. Ooh, impressive, Back. sir. Yeah, uh, Sarah Lee, of course, the chick that won tough enough. Um, competitive power lifter. She can squat 230 pounds, they made sure to note there. So, uh, definitely of note. Uh, fucking ZZ got a deal. I don't get this. I, really, <laughs> I don't get this. I don't, Fucking ZZ. I really don't get this. He got a legit deal. Um, youngest tough enough competitor at age 19. Uh, you know he's going to get the shit kicked out of him. That's going to be a motherfucker that's going to be put on the bullfit program. For oh, real. yeah. He's going to earn it. Yeah, he's going to fucking earn it now. Definitely. Uh, Daniel Matha from, from Erie, PA. Uh, very cool. Trained by Matt Capitelli. At OVW. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Dude. Very cool. Wow. Uh, form alignment at the University of Pittsburgh um, with Coach uh, Dave Wanstead. He was who also he was teammates with uh, Bills running back LaShawn McCoy, named uh, first team Associated Press uh, Class Triple uh, 4A All-State as junior and a senior. Uh, dude, incredibly athletic. Definitely a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, Eddie Arango, uh, he was a referee, worked with Jersey All Pro Wrestling, Northeast Wrestling, CZW. Yeah, I yeah, I you know yeah. who that guy is, the Monster Factory. Yeah. Uh, fluent in English and Spanish. Adrian Reese, trained by Booker T, comes out of PWA. She was also the PWA Women's Champion. She also trained with Rodney Mack, name we haven't heard uh, in a long time. She wrestled in Ring of Honor, Shimmer, Women's Superstars Uncensored, Absolutely Intense Wrestling, and Anarchy Championship Wrestling. And um, not even shocked up for the next one, Amanda from Tough Enough, because, duh. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, let's see why, shall we? Uh, Sakamano was crowned 2014 World Beauty Fitness and Fashion Fashion Bikini Champion. She's also been in Fitness Girls, Fit and Firm, Fit Femme, and um, numerous other fitness magazines. Oh, look. Big shocker. That's a Vince Vince signing. Yep. Damn it. You're going to bring her in. Damn it. Give her a deal. But she can't wrestle. I don't care. That's it. We Uh, can make her a wrestler. That's it. They got a Jizm Salmani, which is a terrible name. G-Z-I-M. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yep. Say that again. G Z I M. No, don't spell it. What's the name again? <laughs> it sounds like Jism Salmani. <laughs> I kid you not. I had to read that twice. I was I'm like, I'm such a fourteen-year-old boy, right dude, now, dude. <laughs> I, I I was like, really? I'm sure I'm I'm bludgeoning his name, and I apologize. Um, 2013, uh, Diamond League Kickboxing Champion. MMA professional, competed in Bellator MMA, uh, fluent in English, Dutch, and Albanian. I'm waiting to... I want to hear that name so that 
you're not wrong, and that's exactly <laughs> why they have to announce him as. Yep. I got to. I have to hear that. Well, the last name I'm sure you'll know, uh, Rich Swan. Yes! Yep. Yes! Exactly. I know the rumblings were saying, and then there was a country, but I didn't think he was going to be part of the show. Yep. Yes! 100%. Former Dragon Gate Tag Team Champion, wrestled for Dragon Gate in Japan, 2010 to 13, worked in Evolve, Combat Zone Wrestling, WXW, and Revolution Pro Wrestling. So... That's a that's a pretty solid class of guys. That new class is joining a group of 57 other men and women that are going to be training at the performance center. So, with that said, you're going to you're going to see a lot of people get really tested and a lot of people get the can. And I'm being dead ass. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you. Um I know, I know a couple of individuals who, 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 who spoke about going through the whole regimen and it's, it's not a cakewalk, man. That, that, that shit that a lot of people are used to, they're not, they're, 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 they're cutting the, they're, and they'll cut the fat early. They will cut the fat early. Uh, dude, so I, I, I'm don't telling be surprised you. If a lot of those, those, those names that you mentioned. Yep. That should be on, and on their way up will get cut quickly. I'm telling you right now, dude. If ZZ, if ZZ doesn't turn it up, he'll probably be one of the first ones cut. Because they're going to be like, dude, the crowd loves you. Why can't you get your shit together? I, and, and I wouldn't even believe that they would even allow, allow him to just, you know, make it through anything that he does, like laissez-faire. Like, I don't, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even understand that. But we must see... Well, many people were asking, were curious about Randy Orton's injury. And it's, it's a, it's a tough break for the dude. But when you hear it on, when you hear it, what, what happened to him. So basically the guy's been dealing with a bad shoulder for a while now, for a while. It wasn't so terrible that he couldn't wrestle actively, but it had been bothering him. So dude went to take the trash out. And dislocated his shoulder. So we don't have um, house help. We don't have maids. We don't. Dude went to take out the garbage. Dislocated his shoulder. It took over three hours to pop the shoulder back in. So the dude is probably going to need surgery. What was in that garbage? (laughs) Dude, I don't know. But all I know is it took three hours for him to pop the shoulder back in. So it was all his belts and fucking hopes and dreams. That's that's <laughs> pretty much it. To pop out of fucking garbage. Yep. Every Thursday, I throw out recyclables and garbage, and I don't. I can't believe that it's that fucking heavy. That's as as heavy as as I throw out. That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, dude. So definitely crazy. And like I said, it, it's it's unfortunate, but it creates an opportunity for somebody to step up. Nobody can wow. complain. It's like, yo, there's a big vacuum there because Randy Orton's a staple in that upper card. That's that's that, that's crazy. Yeah, well, if he and has I'm to get Randy surgery, more power to you. Yeah, well, if he got to get <laughs> surgery, you know, we're looking at maybe six months or longer. Oh yeah, and he wouldn't mind that. He'll he'll, he'll be all right. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he'll be okay. He don't give a shit. He'll, he'll be back by WrestleMania possibly if if it, it gives the 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 hero welcome at Royal Rumble just True. for a spot, whatever. I was sad 
that on WWE.com they moved Christian's superstar profile to the alumni section. And um, on the way that... I thought it was there already. No, they moved it there. <laughs> and, um, you know, they said he was out for a shoulder injury. But then towards the end of the of the of the the blurb that they wrote they wrote although he never regained the title he solidified his legacy and left active competition still at the top of his game and i was like damn I, it but just, at the end of well, it bummed the me pocket, out well, the, the, the pocket yeah but the pockets they had with stone cold they were hinting that his retirement was there like it, it was already like it was already noted. Like it was no, like, I, that route. Yeah, but you know what it is, dude? Like, Edge got a nice little TV send-off. You know what I mean? Like, you, Christian didn't mm. even get that. I mean, it could happen, but it's just unfortunate because that's a guy, as much as people really weren't sold on Christian, I always felt that Christian had a, a, a tremendous upside and he connected well with people. So, I was really bummed to read that. I mean, you know, obviously injuries are injuries. But to see his career cut short, much like his his fellow tag team partner, is just real crazy. Yeah, it's it's just you know, I guess I guess the they didn't find it in in their booking to give him the proper send off, whatever. Yeah, which is crazy. It's that's, just unfortunate. That, that sucks. Yeah, that sucks. On top of the fact that it's funny, you know, Edge and Christian they came up together, they wrestled together, they feuded together, and in the end, they even fucking retired together. <laughs> you know, in a crazy way. But at least, at least one, at least one got the proper send off. The other one is is a, um, I guess, a disregard. Yeah, but Christian was always the redheaded stepchild of that tag team. You know that <laughs> he never got no love, dude. Ever. I was like, damn. You know, the most, the most burn he ever got was when he went to TNA. Yeah, that, and I had posted that up before about um, who 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 people would feel what had. They had a sex uh, successful career, and I, you know, I, I respect Christian's career, man. That guy, he was able to leave the company and, and had like some type of, you know, success somewhere else. This is true. So, a uh, quick update on on the Matadors, Los Matadores. Um, it looks like really? they, yeah, uh, <laughs> you're gonna love this update. So it looks like they're being kept off of television because the company wants people to forget that char- those characters. And they will be repackaged. Yeah, the last time we saw them, once again. Yeah, the last time we saw them, they were breaking up. Yeah, they beat up El Torito. Yeah, and it seemed as though that was the the send up of that. Yep, but the gimmick itself has run its course. Crazy, huh? Mm. I wonder if they'll bring them back as a as a uh, street gang from the Bronx. You never uh, know. Puerto Rican street gang. Puerto Rican street gang. Hey, that'll work with Carlito. Bring Carlito in too. Oh, dude, come on. Remember, his bodyguard stabbed John Cena at that nightclub. <laughs> Fucking so terrible, dude. Jesus. Jesus Aguilar. He was just terrible. He was like a Hispanic Kevin Nash. Sucked. Sucked the wind right out of the ring when he came in there. Anyway. We had like a white white beater and like a yellow leather pants. No, dude, he had lime yeah. green. He had lime green fulanito dress slacks, and a uh, <laughs> and a white wife beater. And you know he had the number he had the number one on the top and the zero on the sides fade. Just real, real <laughs> super 
Myrtle Avenue, 1997, <laughs> Puerto Rican club promoter. Like Nickelback's calling. Oh, dude, he was terrible. It was like you, he, I, I, you'd see him on television, and you didn't know if, if you were going to get a card for a party at the Florida Lee. Real, just real terrible. I was like, yo, this guy sucks. I need an episode of Where Are They Now for, for him. Like, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah, now? dude, he was like, he came in with Carlito. I'm like, yo, this guy sucks. And sure enough, they figured it out and they gave him the boot because uh, he was bullshit, dude. <laughs> like, it's terrible that if you were to put him and Tyson Tomko on a scale, Tomko had a better, oh. Tomko was a better dude than Jesus. Poor, poor Tyson. <laughs> man, drugs fucked him. But drugs derailed his career, man. He had a crazy look. It was it was insane, you know. Yeah, I still make him on the creative restaurant WWE. <laughs> yeah, you have to because the tattoos are fucking there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, last bit to close things out. Of course, everyone talking about Ronda Rousey saying she'd like to be Divas Champion. Uh, would like to be uh successful in any endeavor. Of course, as we were saying. At the start of the segment, Triple H and Charlotte very vocal, like yo, you know, you're you're always you're always welcome here. And with that, I gotta say that Ronda has honestly three legitimate cash fights: Holly Holm, Cyborg, and, and maybe maybe a you know a super fight with Gina Carano, which will never happen. Those are really the only three fights that she's got. And once she gets the Holly home fight out of the way, she's got really one fight left, the fight with Cyborg. And that's it. So it's like yeah. it's like she, she can retire she's undefeated. Already that she wants to be done by she's 30. She's yep. never expected that. She doesn't want to fight any time past 30. Exactly. And with that said, she's already, you know, 28 years old. It's two years, man. You got two years to get the most out of her. And right at right, I guarantee you. Her winning her last fight and announcing her retirement, her having a WWE contract FedEx to her house. I mean, that I, I say one thing about that though. Um, it's gonna take a lot for for creative to build a story around that. I mean, a lot. Oh yeah, there's a lot of work, um, but here's the other thing too. Yeah, her losing to any divas is gonna look insane because they're gonna be like, "Yo, how does she lose?" Like, for argument's sake, how does she lose to to Dana Brooke? <laughs> you know, like I just I I smell chair shots. I smell <laughs> but that but think about Bro. it. Like you take you take an athlete like Ronda Rousey. Everybody knows who she is, and yeah, we know that wrestling is is is, is scripted. But how can you how can you bring her in and have her? losing a match to Alicia Fox or yeah. you know or or Brie Bella for for argument's sake the, or the only thing that I can say is that they bring her in like you would bring in Brock that's the only thing that they would do with us I agree you can't book yeah you can't book it any other way dude I would lose my mind if if it was if it was like Paul Heyman comes out one night and he's like ladies and gentlemen my client, no, not that client, but my new client, and she comes out. 
Yeah, that that would be possibly the only way that they do it because uh, that would be. The Hell in a Cell would have to be a decent. Yeah, dude, decent like, like that's the problem. Like signing her is a gift and a curse because you sign her, it's great, tremendous crossover appeal. She could go on Letterman. She can do movies. She can put the company on the map in ways that women have not put. Because that's the problem. Like diva, like the divas on WWE's roster over the years, they've always been marketable, but their marketability has been tempered by you know the occasional talk show appearance maybe the occasional movie role now with total divas you know you got that but there's never been a woman that can cross over on the same level as stone cold and the rock and whoever that they can utilize I think the only way yeah the only way that they would do that is that she would have to sell the fuck out of the wwe women's divas division like yep. she would have to sell that shit to say like well you know i've had tough competition and in the UFC, but I've never seen the competition that is yep. going to be in WWE. Did you have to sell that shit like for real? Yeah, there's that, and there's also the fact that Ronda Rousey's a very, very headstrong athlete. You know what I mean? Like she don't take no shit. So it's like when creative is like, "Yo, you're going to go out there and you're going to job out to Nia Jax," <laughs> and she's yeah, like. You're, you yeah, know they got to talk no, to her. How about I don't do that? <laughs> exactly. Like, it's going to have to be very, very slow. Like, uh, Rhonda, how do you feel about putting over Nia Jax? <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, like, like that's how. And I mean, you know, it's, yeah. a, bi- it's a business and you're going to do the right thing. But y- you got to understand that there's just certain dudes that you're like, all right, you're going to you're going to go do this. And it's just like, all right, how are you going to do that? Nah, like I said, it's probably going to be something more like that Brock Lesnar thing because there's no way that you can look at anybody on that roster and then you can say, "Um, yeah, she has a chance of beating Ronda. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And that's the problem. That is definitely the problem. Anyway, uh, that's the last bit of MMA news. A couple of things. Uh, Regular season sportscast just debuted its 13th episode. Uh, currently on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RageWorks.net. Uh, first off, got to tell you, congrats on on breaking the ten episode cherry, uh, cruising along oh quite God. well, doing doing a you lot of good me. interviews. You really love me, exactly. You're out there. You, you're doing good <laughs> stuff, man. I, I definitely wanted to tell you that. Um, couple of things. I know you. Yeah, thank you for dropping the bomb about the whole thing about you taking some time off here and there. No pressure, no pressure. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm, I'm okay. No. Nah, you. We, there's still, there's still another, there, there, I, there's still another week of shows, and um, you know, like I said at the at the top of the broadcast, just you know, just just want to refocus and and give give the best me to the brand, so that you guys and by, by you guys I mean you know you and, and and the rest of the team have a better brand to support you guys. You know, it doesn't. Oh yeah. Uh, it, I, you get the deal. I didn't. I didn't sit there and just like uh, have a like a little pain in my chest that says, "What is he doing to me?" No, that's all right. No, that's fine. That's nah, fine. man. <laughs> I, I I have but I have you know faith what? in all well, you guys. It's well deserved. You have put in so many years and doing what you're doing that you 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 might you you might need to do that and and more power to you. And I'm and, and we as listeners and as well as everybody underneath the umbrella of, of, of rage works appreciate everything that you've done for us and it's well deserved well 
with that said, you've since the regular season sportscast has been on air now, you have an increased social footprint. So um let everybody know all the other links where they can keep up with uh TRSS. Oh God, I've been whoring myself so much these past months or so, so let me make sure I nailed this properly. All right, everybody. You guys can get us at the regular season sportscast on Facebook. It's an open group page, no closed pages. I don't understand it, and I still don't understand why somebody would even do that on Facebook. You could also get us at the regular season sports on Instagram, at regular season sports. Uh, you could also get me, which I, I guess I have to start promoting this now because I heard Twitter, this thing called Twitter is something to promote. Get me <laughs> yep. on Twitter. <laughs> get me on Twitter at RWJSanty. Let me tell you something. Before I was TRSS, before I was a regular season of sports, I was Rage Wars. I was my take. So much love for, for that and everything else. Uh, and I'm with, I am with the boss on this whole Snapchat thing. I'm very much, uh, very, uh, technologically and social media sound, but the Snapchat shit, I can't get it, and I'm I'm fighting to understand it. Oh yeah, dude, it's a it's definitely an uphill battle. But um, the uh the thirteenth show is in the is in the can. You got the uh the week seven recap. You got the week eight pickums. You got Louis Coyote. Oh god, let me just talking let me just talking shit this. with you. I got I got a new character for the show. He's not a filler. He's just a character. He's another specialist that I have for the show. Louis Coyote. I always said. Regular season sportscast is for the common man, the blue collar guy, and I am determined to make the common man into a star. So the first person I have is Lou E. Coyote, super genius. Episode 13, you guys don't miss it. It is ridiculousness at its finest. There you go. All right, brother. I appreciate you joining me for this week's wrestling segment, uh, TRSS 13. Is available now, as I said, on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and we are finalizing arrangements to join Google Play as well. Uh, once that is official, Ooh. yeah, once that's official, uh, people with Android that have Google Play will be able to participate in their podcast program and download all our shows that way as well. I figured I would make that announcement with Jay on air to let you guys know that, so that will be another outlet for you guys to consume uh, MTR, the regular season sportscast, Black is the New Black, uh, The Buried Show, and all our other shows as well. There you go. You've been awesome, man. I want to thank you for everything. And for next week's episode of TRSS, let me tell you, it is a reunion of a man who actually brought me to the fold so my take radio and rage works. I'm leaving it like that. It's a man that who people have known me to be associated with from years past. He's coming back. I'm sitting down with him for an interview. No kayfabe YouTube shit. It's Yo. straight shoot. I'm leaving it like that. All right, awesome brother. I appreciate Thanks, the assist. Sir. And bye, right, uh, boss. Peace. Latest. There you go, our very own Jay Santee. Uh, all the links for the regular season sportscast and all the social media links will be available in the show notes for this episode of My Take Radio. With that, that is going to wrap up the show for this week. 
tune in later today, now that it is Thursday, for episode 323, which is going to be our gaming and entertainment edition of MTR. All right, guys, I'm out of here. On behalf of myself, Jay, Slick, and the rest of the MTR staff, I am out of here. Peace. Rich, bitch. That's all, folks.